right, thank you again for being here on this Easter Sunday. I know we're a little bit later than we usually are when I get up, and I will not be long, and I do want to thank you for being here. Um, Easter, you want to call it, we call it Easter um, because that's what the majority of people think of when they're thinking of it, but really for us, it's the Resurrection Sunday, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, let me get to this. Sometimes two people, you can, see the, you can see the same thing, and you can come to a different conclusion, right? People see events in history, they say that, and you ask them what's going on, they'll give you two different things. Okay, you want a couple of examples? Let me give you a couple. The assassination of John F. Kennedy. Some people are like, it was one shooter. Several people are like, it's multiple shooters. It's a big conspiracy. Now, that's not a real big one, right? I just, I saw, one time I saw a thing and they did a computer image of the shots and according to the computer, it was one shooter. But hey, if you want to believe in two, uh, when we get to heaven, we'll ask God about that. How about a couple that more people, I, I wouldn't disagree, the moon landing was a fake. How many of you heard that one? Like, they got some really good pictures of the earth for a fake one, but anyhow. Um, here's what I really struggle with, the Flat Earth Society. I kid you not, years ago I saw an Instagram post by the Flat Earth Society. Here was it said. The Flat Earth Society has members from all around the globe. I'm like, okay. If you didn't catch that one, um, can't help you there. <laughs> okay, here's one we all struggle with. Sporting events. All right, you know, that ref stole that from me. How many, how many of you have seen that, right? You want to argue? We were watching the Super Bowl. We taped the Super Bowl this year. And it was actually a really good game, and then they called that penalty at the end. It kind of ruined the whole thing. And uh, some, look, if you were a Kansas City fan, that's a penalty. If you were a Philadelphia fan, you need prayer, okay? Uh, you, you know, that wasn't a penalty. We look at it from what we want to see. We see two different things. We're going to look at the resurrection from that story here. Because people view things through their, their own point of view, the circumstances that have been a part of their life, the things that they have seen, the problems that they have, the desires they have. And we're going to see that in these early believers this morning briefly as they went to the tomb on that resurrection Sunday. Before we do that, I do want you to understand that the resurrection is a, a big deal. It proves that Jesus Christ was not just another man. It also proves that Jesus Christ wasn't a liar because he said that's what was going to happen. And it also proves that Jesus Christ is the Savior because if he did not resurrect from the grave, he was just another man. He was a liar and he wasn't the Savior. It is no wonder that, that throughout time they've tried to view and, and, and state that, that the, the resurrection was not true and that there was some nefarious things behind it. They lie that the disciples came early and stole the body. How could that be? Because the disciples themselves did not understand the resurrection. Christ had told them, and that's why we're going to see in a little bit, they were confused. So how come those who didn't even believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead because they were confused, why would they go and steal his body? They lie that Jesus did not really die. He only swooned. 
That's not true. Of course, they stuck the, they, 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 they saw that he was dead on the cross. They came to break the legs because they wanted them to die before the evening, and they did not need to break Jesus' legs, which was a fulfillment of Scripture, by the way, because he was already dead. They stuck, they stuck, uh, uh, they pierced his side. They lie that the resurrection is a myth or a legend passed down. By the way, the Gospels were written by the men during the time, and they were eyewitnesses of this account. The lie that the resurrection is a hope, hoax. That's a crazy one to me. Why would somebody die for something they know is not true? Maybe one person will do that, but a whole group of people? The resurrection is important. People try to refute it because it is central to Christianity. And so as we look at our text this morning, we see that Jesus is already de dead. Joseph of Arimathea gets the body and he, he places it in the tomb. Excuse me, some of the women notice which tomb it is in. They're going to come and they're going to continue preparing his body for the burial because it was not done or finished by Joseph. And so they come to that tomb and they're, they're ready to, to do that. And then uh, they get there, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and some of the others, and um, they see that the stone's already rolled away. They thought that was going to be a problem. Then they look into the tomb, and it is empty. And then they stand there confused. What is going on? Then the angels come and, and try to help them. Like, hey, he's not here. He told you he was going to rise from the dead. And they had totally, totally forgot all about that. They totally were against it. They had different views of what Christ should be, and they missed why he came, and they missed what he was going to do. So they were confused. They didn't understand his mission. They're looking in that tomb, and they are confused. Lots of people are like that. We think of Easter, we think of Easter bunnies, we think of Easter eggs, and, and we think of the meal with the family, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with the Easter eggs, and, and there's nothing wrong with eating with your family. We all know that's not, that's not what it's about, but it, it's something fun we do. But, we, but, but a lot of people, they don't understand what Christianity is. Like these early believers, they look at that whole thing, and they're confused as to what is going on. They look at it, they might draw different conclusions than other people do. So what do we see? I want you to see this morning, I want you to see three options we have as we, we think about the resurrection and we think about what happened so we can draw the right conclusions. Because as those disciples on that day, they started to get it, but they were confused when they first saw it. So what, what are the options? First of all, the option of we see that there's just an empty tomb. And by the way, if we disassociate that from the significance of the life of Christ, then we're missing the whole point of the Easter. We're missing the whole point of the resurrection of Christ. The majority of people, they, would, they will even state it, that they have a mental understanding of what it's all about, but they never put it together in a spiritual sense. And all we see is an empty tomb. Those ladies that came that day, they saw the tomb was empty, but they came to the wrong conclusion. Look at it. Look at verse 3. To them, it was, it was a tomb of disappearance. Look at three, verse 3. And they entered in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were there specifically for the purpose of finalizing and preparing his body. And they looked there and it's empty. Like their hope was. 
They didn't, Jesus, look, he didn't hide why he came. He did not hide what was going to happen. But they just didn't get it. And their hope was empty. Life like that is for many if, if our life is not connected to Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, your life is going to be empty. You can have all the money you want. You can have the greatest job and the most powerful job. You can have everything this world has to offer. But let me tell you something. If your life is not connected to Jesus Christ, it's as empty as that tomb. There's something better. You can have it all and you'll get to the end of your life and you've given your life to all these things and people have a tendency when they start getting close to the end of their life to think correctly. They start thinking about what's happened in their life and the time they've used. You'll look back at your life and you'll say, what a waste. Nothing of any significance. There's also a tomb of doubt. Look at verse 4. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed The word perplexed means to be totally at a loss. They looked inside that empty tomb and are like, what in the world is going on? They couldn't even figure it out. His people, his followers. Isn't that how life is? We're perplexed about things. Things happen, it's like, I don't even know how to, how to think this through. I don't even know how to, how to put this together. By the way, can I just tell you something? That's going to happen to everybody. Life isn't a Hallmark movie. Okay? Last 10 minutes, everything's sewed up in a nice little package. You get the girl, you get the job, you get the money, everything works out. That's not life. It's not a movie. Sometimes things are thrown our way. And if the problems and the situations we have to face, again, we face them disattached from the life of Christ and from the meaning of what he wants to do in our life, we're perplexed. It's like, what do I even do here? What is going on here? It doesn't make sense. You have to have some way to make sense of what you're going through. And the only way you can make sense of what you're going through is to have sense of what he wants to do through you. It's also a a, a tomb of dread. Look at verse 5. And as they were afraid. Afraid. By the way, fear is natural to all people. You know why we fear? Because we have no understanding of what's going on. And here's the biggest reason we fear things. We're not in control. Right? I like to be in control. You know, I, I want to I be the one to make sure things are happening. Can I just tell you, life's not like that. There are things you're not in control of. Right. Well, I control my family. Good for you. I have my own job. I have my own business. I control my future. That's great. What happens when illness comes? What happens when disaster comes? What happens when your future, the things you thought were going to be rock solid are knocked out of the way? I get it. We get confused. And we have fear. It's also a tomb of disbelief. Look at verse 10. And after they're done, they're going to go tell the people, the angels kind of straighten the ladies out like, hey, hey, hey. And they're like, oh, that's right. He did say that. And they're going to go tell the other believers because they're, they're like them when they first came to the tomb. Verse 10. Uh, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. Uh, they go tell the other apostles. The apostles. Verse 11. Here's how they responded. These great men of faith. And their words seem unto them as idle tales. And they 
believed them not. Now, like, that's just too good to be true. There's no way that could be happening. The disbelief. All of us have to live by faith. They should have been living by faith. By the way, Peter knew, right? Remember, he told the disciples, I'm going to die. And, be, and, and Peter's like, no, you're not. Can you imagine someone telling Jesus? No, you're wrong. Okay? That takes a lot of guts. It's like, you're not, no, you're not. You're not. I'll make sure. And by the way, I'll give Peter a little bit of credit. I'd rather be Peter than the others sometimes, by the way. Although Peter kind of, you know, it's like when they tried to arrest Jesus, he said, he pulled out his sword. He said, I'm in. Cut the guy's ear off. He missed his head. Jesus said, hey, 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 put the sword away. Okay? But they disbelieved. The fact is, every, do you know everybody lives by faith? But you got to choose what you believe in. Well, I don't believe in God. That takes faith. There's no God. It takes faith to believe that we're here and that life is going on and that there is no God. Well, I believe in evolution. That takes faith. To believe that everything that you see in this world happened by random chance, by accident, that the one time there was nothing and nothing exploded. Now just let that sink in. Nothing exploded. I'm just thinking, if nothing exploded, then nothing happened. And they say we're weird. Well, I don't need religion. That's a crutch. Give me a crutch. Okay? It just takes faith. And we have all these things we do. The problem comes when we have faith in the wrong thing and a lack of faith in the right thing. So there was a lot of confusion going on for them. But can I just tell you something? There's a better thing to see in that empty tomb. You know what it is? That there's a risen victory. It is better to look in that tomb and realize why it's empty than be confused about the fact that it is empty. You know why it's empty? Because he is no longer there. And he is alive. It's another, by the way, well, you know, they, it's another proof that the resurrection was real. You know, they put, they put guards there. And those guards, if anything happened, that was their life. Well, they, they, they just came and they, they took it. Again, so, so they're going to give their lives for a hoax? And by the way, if the Roman government wanted to shut them up, you know, all they had to do, go find the body. It wouldn't have been that hard. How far, how long, and how far could they got with? The soldiers were right there. No, no, no. It's proof of something much greater that Jesus Christ is alive. And that tomb represents victory. They went to that empty tomb and they were discouraged and they were perplexed and they should have said, praise God, it's legit. He is alive. What, is that, what kind of victory does it show for us? It shows its victory over death. Verse 6, he is not here, but is risen. And then it's like, you know, you ever hear some, I told you so? Don't you remember how he spake unto you while he was yet in Galilee? Angel just kind of had to throw that in. Didn't you get the memo? I mean, he told you. Didn't you get it? He is alive. By the way, death keeps people in bondage. People do crazy things because of death. Hebrews 2.25 says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. How many of you know what the Winchester house is over in the San Jose area? 
I've been through there with my wife. It's a crazy house that's, that was a mansion, and it was built onto for like 40 years. And, and weird things. Uh, you'll have stairs that go up and down like this, and when you go all the way up the stairs, you've only went up about a foot. Because this lady, the Winchester uh, uh, widow, who, who had all this money coming in, she was told as long as she built on the house, she wouldn't die. A spiritualist told her that. It was a lie. Guess where she is now? She's dead. She died. All she has is a weird house that's making money today. Because she, bought, she was fearful of death. Death's inevitable, by the way. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. And our life is but a vapor. vapor. But can I just tell you something? Jesus defeated death. Now, you don't have to be afraid of death, but it doesn't mean you want to go on the next boatload. Okay? Let's delay that thing a little bit. But there's no reason to be fearful of it because Christ gave us victory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which is the resurrected chapter, and it's, he says in verse 54, So when this corruptible, our flesh, shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 57, But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you don't have to be afraid of death. We can overcome that. Also, it was the, the risen Christ is, it shows us over defeat. It's victory over defeat. Say, verse 7, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. Isn't that something? The, these people thought they won. By the way, that's how the, that's how the religious leaders that did not want to hear the truth, that's how they responded to Christ. You know what? We shut them up. We put them to death. It's all over. He's some kind of religious zealot. He's some kind of uh, uh, zealous fanatic. He's a false prophet. He's a misguided man. And so they put him to death. They think they've won. But that's not what I see. I see that it's victory. And by the way, his victory proves who he was. There are a lot of, and I'm not talking about religious people. There are a lot of, of founders of religions throughout the history. And Jesus Christ, let's say we'll throw him in with that group. They have several things in common. You know what they all have in common? They were born. They all have a second thing in common. They all died. But none of them have in common with Jesus Christ that he arose from the dead. They could say what they want, but they died and they're buried and they are in those places till this day. But Jesus Christ is alive. He gives us victory. He gave them victory over distraction. Look at verse 8. And they remembered his words. Everything that was going on kept them from remembering what he said. He had told them this was going to happen. He had told them he was going to rise from the dead. And I know this, you can't rise from the dead if, you, if, you, if, you, uh, if you're not dead. I mean, there's a step there, right? I'm going to die and I'm going to be alive, but the first thing I need to do for that to happen is i got to die. And everything that was happening and all that was going on caused them to forget. The, they were distracted, but when he was alive, it all came back to them. When the angels showed it to him, it was all there. That's why we need the truth of God, by the way. Because his truth helps us. Also, Victory over discouragement. Look at verse 12. All them, after they said, this is just a bunch of idle tales, they couldn't believe it, but at least Peter gave him a lot of, Peter gets knocked a lot because he just, he was so, you know, just like, go for it, not thinking, but Peter did a lot. 
at least Peter in verse 12, he gets up. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering what in himself, what in himself at that which was come to the pass. He's like, unbelievable, this, this is going to, it starts to click, right? The discouragement's starting to, to go away. We don't have to be discouraged in life because we do serve a risen Savior. Now, there's a third thing we need to understand. And all of us are either going to be a part of this in the, in the positive or in the negative. Because of that, we need to understand that there's a great opportunity. You see, Jesus said it. I want to switch over to John chapter 10, 10. Let me read it to you. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And you know what the path to that life was? His death and his resurrection. And that's why he came. He came to complete that prophecy right there. I am come that they might have life. You see, for we can never have that life without his death. And Jesus said that. He said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. What do we mean by lost? We don't know what's going on. No, no, no. He's talking about in an eternal sense. Because, see, all of us are sinners. And because we're sinners, we owe a great debt and a great price to God. And one day we will all die. And we will face God. And if we don't trust Jesus Christ, we will be responsible to pay for our sins for all eternity. I know that's a negative. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to dump on your Easter Sunday. But hell is a real place. But can I just tell you something? That's why he came. He came to give us victory, and he gave that prophecy that they might have life. And can I just tell you something? That's fulfilled. He died on the cross, and because he arose from the grave, he paid for our sins. He was who he said he was. But you know what else? There's a promise that he also committed to us. He goes, and that they might have life more abundantly. That's after we meet Jesus Christ. I'm glad there's two parts to that. I'm glad that he wants to save me. But he also has something better for me while I'm on this earth. The abundant life. I don't know about you, but if someone's offering a little of something good or a lot of something that's good, I'll take the a lot every single time. Right? Sometimes we'll go out, my wife, I'll go out, maybe we'll get a dessert or something, and it's really good, and I'll say, you know what that tasted like? She knows the answer. It tastes like more, right? Yesterday, she went to, um, I haven't had Jamba Juice in forever. And she got me like this thing, and I'm like, I haven't had this forever. That's good. Strawberry Surf Rider. Yeah. I don't even surf, but that was good. And I'm like, hey, you know, this cup was really small. So some of the other kids were there, and it's like, she's like, she's a great wife. You want another one? It's like, well, Yeah. So she went to get more for some of the others. I said, hey, this time, don't make a mistake, okay? No. Let's go. I didn't even finish it. The grand, grandkid drank most of it. But, but it's like, look, don't we want that out of life? The problem is we seek it our own way. And he says, part of salvation is, I got something better for you while you're on this earth. Now, Here's the point. We're done. Where are you at today? Are you one who is confused as to the empty tomb? You've not connected Christ's resurrection to your life in any way? 
For those in our church, they know this. They're probably sick of hearing it every year. But Easter Sunday changed my life. Changed my life. As a high schooler, I was brought to church on Easter. I didn't go to church. I probably went to church four times in my life before that Easter Sunday when I was in high school. And on that Sunday, I heard about the resurrected Christ. I heard about him. I had a mental knowledge of all of it, but no practical knowledge. And on that day, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And then a couple years later, after God working in my heart, I'm like, you know what? I want that abundant life too. And God's changed my life. And by the way, God can do that for anybody. But I had to change my perspective. Before Easter and, and Christmas and all the stories of Christ, they were just stories I heard. They were just stories of facts that were just bumping around in this, some people would say, empty head of mine. But when I connected them to making a decision, when I connected them to the reality of what they really are all about, that's when things changed. If you're focused on the risen Savior, then you're experiencing the abundant life. But let me just say this. If you're focused on the empty tomb, then you have not experienced the life that he offers. What am I saying? I'm saying, thank you for being here today. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as more than just this person that arose from the dead, is it, is, is he, is it personal to you? Do you know for sure that you have that life that he came? I came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know, as people, we don't want to hear the truth, right? Well, here's the truth that Jesus told all of us, you're lost. Now, we don't think we're lost, but we're lost. But let me ask you this. Have you received that life that he came to change the whole dynamic there? We do that by trusting Jesus Christ. You know, if we could, without any movement here, if we could bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute. We're at the end here. We're going to pray in a minute. Let's just bow our head and close our eyes. I want you to reflect for a minute. Let me tell you what happened to me. On that Easter Sunday, someone preached a message just like this, and he asked that question. I'm like, you know what? I have not trusted Christ, and on that day, I did. Here's the question. Are you 100% for sure that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven, or do you have any doubt at all? I had doubt that day. You say, Pastor, no one's looking around. Pastor, that's me. If I were to die today, I am not 100% for sure that I would go to heaven. But I would like to do that. I would like to know that. Pastor, would you pray for me? If that's you, just would you briefly raise your hand and then put it back down so I can see it? Yes, I see your hand here and here. That's, that's what over here. That's what Easter's all about. That's what it is. The greatest gift I got on Easter was not a chocolate bunny, and I'm not against chocolate bunnies. It was eternal life in Christ. Anybody else? Pastor, that's me. I need that. I need that this morning. Anybody at all? Maybe you don't, maybe you know Christ, but if you look at your life, you're like, you know what? I, I'm not experiencing the abundant life. I feel like I'm missing something here. 
I have problems in my life and I can't connect them with God and I can't connect them through what he wants to do in my life and I don't see the significance. All I see is is the the doom and the failure and and I don't want to see that. That's because we got to let God work in our life. We have to come to the point where we say, I'm not just glad that I'm a Christian. I want to know Jesus Christ. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection fellowship of his son. He really wanted to know him on a personal level. That's where it comes from. If we could, can we all stand this this morning, please? Everybody standing. The piano's going to play. Maybe you want to come to this altar. We'll come to this altar when God speaks to us and we'll pray and we'll make a commitment to God and say, God, I want you to work in my life. The altar's open if you want to come.